0: The Leadership File, on Premier. So welcome to The Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes. I'm Andy Peck, your host. Uh, And it's no secret that the COVID-19 pandemic has been a massive challenge to companies and organisations worldwide as they've sought to remain connected when not able to physically meet. But one of the benefits of this dreadful time is that there are reports of an increasing value of relationships. This period has coincided with the launch of a new ministry which aims to help charities and businesses get intentional, analytical and specific about strengthening relationships. It's called We Are Company and one of the founders, Matthew Frost, joins me on the show. Matthew was uh, CEO of Tearfund for 10 years and indeed was my guest on this show during that time. He led over 1,500 staff globally before leaving in 2015 to pursue a wider range of interests. So, uh, Matthew, welcome back to Leadership Farm.
1: Thanks, Andy. It's great to be back.
0: Um, And your journey to to setting up We Are Company?
1: Uh, Well, I guess it's been quite a long time in coming. Um, So I've always been convinced that relationships are absolutely key to human flourishing. Um, I I think that's fairly obvious in the Bible. We kind of forget it. Um, I was really struck a, um, a few years ago when I watched an HBR study. I think it's one of the top 10 most Ted, watched TED Talks. And they've done this huge study over, I think it's the longest for 75 years, over thousands of people. Uh, and the director gives this talk for only about 15 minutes. Brilliant talk if you've not seen it. And essentially his, his a summary is good relationships keep us healthier and happier and lead to longer life, period. And I guess it's that, alongside probably the restorative narrative that appears in the bible the the, the, the the for me the whole bible is really a story about restoration uh, and renewal uh, and i've been fascinated about you know how, how do you take that restorative narrative that redemptive narrative and actually apply it to organizations our businesses our charities uh, and i do i got really into that at mckinsey uh, when I was there a consultant for six years or so um, and then I, I got to try out all my nutty ideas at Tearfund for 10 years um, and I guess that experience led me just to be absolutely convinced that organizations um, you they are a primary instrument by which God's redemptive work restorative work of restoring broken relationships is played out uh, and indeed organizations um, actually i think as sort of the one of the primary places where we grow or don't as disciples and i guess my challenge has been to certainly christian leaders is how do we make sure the organizations and the teams and the the the, the working environments we're in are helping people grow as disciples rather than hindering that growth which seems to tragically so often happen
0: sure sure um certainly from my own experience I've been in a number of organisations and, and it hasn't always been as smooth as you might like to have thought given that people are professing Christians within organisations and, um, and uh, I just I've I I had a few theories as to why that was but what why is it not always as smooth as it might be you know, people outside the, the, the charity world or the church world sometimes think oh, it must be wonderful working with Christians and then obviously there are loads of wonderful benefits but there's also some challenges too
1: Yeah, well, so I I think it was just a a sort of a year into Tear Fund. um, I read a book called Beyond Nice, Creating Excellent Working Relationships in Churches and Other Christian Organizations. It was sent to me by uh, the author Martin Martin Woodruff, um, and I was struck by two of his observations. Um, Firstly, he he reflected that Christian organisations often seem to find it um, more difficult to manage people well than so many businesses do. Uh, when I guess, I guess my thought would be, well, shouldn't we all be better at this? And the second uh, reflection was that this is in large part because we fail to go beyond nice. Uh, so we sort of equate um, we equate loving with being nice. I don't know if that makes sense. So. so so sort of niceness unintentionally sort of smothers all conflict and criticism and negativity you know we we sort of hide all that we were not very good at doing it we we kind of think any kind of conflict or criticism is kind of not being nice it's not loving Uh, and of course what then happens is you have this um, uh, you you end up with this sort of people call people describe as a passive-aggressive culture um uh, and actually this is very pervasive i think in christian organizations where it looks as if everybody is in polite agreement uh, but in reality uh, many are not uh, and and they sort of work out that dissonance in all sorts of hidden ways that makes it terribly dysfunctional often to work in these places Uh, and often then that sort of springs up into sort of cataclysmic breakdowns in relationships when when things reach boiling point um and i think it's kind of sad because you kind of think well we you know we follow jesus christ who is kind of the master at relationships and we've got this fantastic all these fantastic stories and models and images and teaching to follow and we have christ within us and we have the holy spirit so we should be better than anybody else at this as you say, I think we confuse niceness with love.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, certainly one colleague talks about the illusions of intimacy. In other words, because we're all Christians, you'd kind of expect us to be closer, but actually you still have to work at that relational dynamic. You can't presume it just because you are followers of Jesus.
1: Well, that, I think that's exactly right. So, And I think um, uh, th- this, um, you know, we, we, we presume we're good, um, but actually, if you take relationships, um, you know, I often uh, ask people in a you know, sort of coaching or teaching setting, how many of you have learnt? so you know, think of the classic relational skills, how many of you have learned how to listen? You've actually been taught how to listen. Uh, and I usually get sort of maybe you know, 15% of hands go up rather nervously and everybody else kind of looks at you slightly nonplussed. Or you know, another core relational skill, how do you manage conflict? and again that's even worse nobody's nobody's already learned how to do conflict or give and receive feedback or actually how to do encouragement with authenticity um you know there are all these relational skills and we kind of take them for granted and we, and we so i think there's there's something about you know, we kind of take all of that relational skill set for, for granted and actually we haven't really been taught how to do it um you know often it's interesting I, so when i joined mckinsey as a consultant um, you know n- not a Christian organization um, you know uh, very much a secular organization uh, and the first thing I learned how to do there was how to give and receive feedback to other people brilliantly because they recognized that was such a core cool relational skill they had to get right
0: yeah.
1: and they yeah. they it sh- they every single person who joined on how to do that well and it doesn't mean we were brilliant at it but we did learn uh, and, the, and I guess the other thing is this thing about measuring relationships we kind of we say well can we measure relationships I mean how, how do you get intentional about it uh, and so you know, we, we basically say we can't do that you know we, we can't measure relationships and so you, we don't because we, we we don't sort of get intentional and specific about relationships we never get beyond sort of generalizations um, and very high level sentiments uh, when actually there's enormous science uh, and evidence around relationships uh, that can be mined um, in service of getting intentional and specific about how we might improve them yeah.
0: and it's, as you would know as a leader it's very hard to improve that which you can't measure um, so, so.
1: Well, well, that's right um, I mean that's interesting so uh, you know the, the, the um i mean this is one of the, the things that, that excites me in recent years so i think if, if i went back 20 years the only thing that we really measured in, in any intent in our organizations whether it's charities or uh, or companies was was financial capital but in recent years and very much i think reflecting a. Uh, you know a surge in interest with Millennials uh, and these sort of emerging generation we're saying well, that's actually not good enough you know organizations and it's not just about financial capital it's human capital there too there's relational capital uh, there's natural environmental capital we've got a we've got to start measuring and assessing all of these things um, because as you said um, you know, if we if we measure these things we pay attention to what we measure um, and actually, that's that's what what really animates us. That we are company uh, is we think you can measure relationships, no, 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 you know, but in, not in a way that you sort of will will, will get sort of um, as specific and um, sort of uh, mathematically accurate about it as we might do with um, finances. But yes, in a way that can drive insight and thoughtfulness and reflection, um, that can definitely be done. Yeah.
0: Well, we may already, um, Matthew, uh, have intruded into the, my next question about the webinar that you ran on strengthening relationships during COVID-19. And what, what were the kind of things you covered in that, uh, in that webinar?
1: So um, we looked at uh, so it's a couple of things. Firstly, we talked about um, a sort of broad framework. Um, so we wanted to give people a framework to think about relationships and we introduced um, sort of three areas where you can uh, get more intentional specific and, and even measure relationships uh, the first we talked about was foundations of relationship and here the idea is that there's sort of innate raw material that we bring into uh, relationships um, and we draw very much on Daniel Goleman uh, or Daniel Goleman's writing here on, on self-leadership and social awareness. So, so, how self-aware are we, and how socially aware are we? Uh, you, know, how empathetic are we? Um, uh, you know, this is fascinating. There's a, um, well, maybe I'll come back to that in a second. There's a brilliant Google study, um, a Google case study that really highlights this. But maybe I'll come back to that later. Sure, sure. So we, so foundations as well. And then we talk about context. Um, so, so however good those foundations might be, you know, that innate raw material of empathy and self-awareness. You can still have the context for the relationship in terms of for example the amount of knowledge we know about one another or, or, or the way power is used in a relationship or the way we're either aligned around our purpose or not or whether we have a history of working together or not or the quality of our communication you know, all those five drivers of relational context so we explore those and then the last thing we look at is the marks of relationships so if a relation if, if let's say relationships in a team are working really well you'd expect to see some things happening and that's where we draw on Lencioni i don't know whether you're familiar with him he's written wrote a brilliant book called the five dysfunctions of team
0: oh Pat patrick is it patrick
1: no. yeah patrick Lencioni that's right, that's right. Yeah. so it's a fantastic book one of the best books on on what really goes on in teams and how to make them work effectively and he he sort of has this pyramid of uh, sort of uh, sequence where you start with uh, you know the, the first hallmark if you like of a, of a team you know is working well is that vul- it's a v- vulnerability is high in this team they trust one another to be vulnerable with one another and when you get that right then you've created the context for healthy conflict where you can really have the challenging conversations I remember TF on our leadership team there, you know, within a few years in, it was so there, there was such high trust levels and so much vulnerability that when people, other people walked into the team, they were shocked at how, it almost felt were, like we were at each other's throats half the time because we were so direct. And we were so, we we, we relished conflict. We almost mined for it. But actually, it, it's just because we were having focused conversations and the trust and vulnerability was so strong that we could do that because we trusted one another. And then if you've got that, then you almost earned the right to get mutual commitment, then you get accountability and then you get attention to results. So we use these three areas, foundations, context, and marks, and in each, we go into depth. Uh, And on the the webinar, a couple of, we've we've won an hour series, but we looked at empathy. Um, So how do you actually uh, mine and increase empathy? And we we suggested a whole set of approaches to do that uh, that can be done whilst we're remote working. Uh, We looked at the directness of communication, um, so how we've gone from from in-person to this very narrow bandwidth Zoom um, our channel and how that's changing the way we communicate and how we need to um, moderate and change the way we work uh, to enable fruitful, um, to, to ensure we're still communicating effectively, especially when all of those non-verbal emotional cues become so much harder to read. Um, and all, it's harder to do all the spontaneous uh, stuff that you can typically do in person and then we also looked at managing conflict uh, where we explored a whole series of different approaches uh, to managing conflict I, I, I won't go into detail unless you want me to on any one of those areas we can go into detail uh, so we looked at all of those and then in a, in a subsequent seminar we also got into very, the very nitty-gritty of how do you actually measure relationships sure. So.
0: Well, uh, Matthew, we're going to take a, take a break now. But this this is, all sounds fascinating stuff. So you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Matthew Frost. He's uh, recently set up with, uh, with others uh, a, uh, a ministry called We Are Company, and we'll be back just after this. And welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Matthew Frost. He's, with together with others, uh, set up a, a ministry called We Are A Company, which uh, particularly focuses on helping charities and businesses get intentional Analytical and specific about strengthening relationships. Just before the break, uh, Matthew shared a little bit about what they were looking at within the the, the webinar. Each of those topics, um, we could usefully have a show on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Matthew, but I suppose uh, by, as you're looking at, uh, we are company. What are what are the things that you um, you're seeking? How, how are you seeking to serve church, church and charities? Um, it will be some of those webinar topics, no doubt. Maybe there are other themes as well.
1: Well. Mm. So- I think the thing that really animates the three of us that we're company and the reason we set up mm. uh, um, the organization is because we want to help our organizations get really intentional and specific about strengthening the quality the fruitfulness uh, the resilience of relationships mm. Um so, so that's that. so anybody who wants to do that we want to get in touch and work with them and do whatever we can to support them um, we're really interested in working in with both charities and businesses and churches. Okay. Um, so we want to work you know, across all of that spectrum, um, uh, and we think you know, wherever, much wherever there is an organisation, wherever there is a team that needs to work effectively together, um, and that's critical to the fruitfulness of the organisation. Um, we, we work with, we've been working at board, with boards, with leadership teams, but actually with any team. So wherever there is a team, but especially leadership teams and boards, we, we can work with them. We want to work with them. Broadly, there are three things we do, three steps, if you like, we take um, people through. Uh, the first, I think, is really important. So we, we need to, the first thing we do is, is develop a relational narrative. We we need to almost make the case for why relationships are important in any context because otherwise what happens is people kind of say, oh, well, yeah, relationships, they're terribly important. Of course they are, it's kind of motherhood stuff, and then, and then we don't go beyond it. We have to make the case why relationships are critical to the fruitfulness and effectiveness and performance of charities, of businesses, of churches. So for example, with charities, one of the things we've been doing is to, you know, there's been a real erosion in trust in charities in recent years. And actually, if you, if you really get into the science of trust, one of the key aspects of trust is relationships it's it's a all the evidence says it's the quality of relationships along with reliability uh, and credibility relationships is critical and the aspect of trust that is given the least attention so essentially our pitch uh, to charities is well look if you want to strengthen trust are you with your public with your uh, supporters you've got to start with yourself Uh, and you've got to start actually with your leadership team and boards so you've got to construct a narrative that's the first thing the second thing is um, okay you're hopefully now all bought in you see the case you see why this is critical to effectiveness and performance how do we get now specific about measuring it you know how how do you can you measure it how do you measure it and here we we have a um, a 22 uh, question uh, survey that we use uh, and we use that to then populate a series of very insightful, powerful charts and um, sort of analysis that then drives insight and conversation with the team. Uh, so that's the second thing is, is using the de- gathering data, driving insight. The third is then uh, working alongside the team to take action. There's a huge variety of interventions you can then take. Uh, so uh, So targeted coaching at an individual level or at a team level. Uh, we've got a, a series of what we're calling our gyms uh, so uh, there's basically opportunities to specific if you like specific relational muscle groups whether it's building empathy uh, or the directness and quality of communication or whether it's conflict or feedback or um, and so on and finally there's a whole set of interventions around how do you shift culture um, so you know, you can work on the relationship, but what you what you often find is the way we do accountability, or the way we do human resources, or the way we've got the you know, the other organisational ways of working, actually inhibit relationships, um, because they they kind of assume they almost they almost undermine relationships and think you know think in terms of transactions. And so actually we've got to begin to reimagine how we do accountability, how we do human resource management, how we do some of our processes and structures in a way that really strengthen relationships rather than inhibit and even undermine them.
0: Sure. And and Matthew, um no doubt you would want to, to serve church um charities and organizations, and businesses that are functioning well. But I guess inevitably it is when things are not going so well that people think of of bringing in an outside person like yourselves so is that would that would that be your experience in the early days of, of your of your ministry
1: I think so um, that, I think that's true um, uh, you know where, as soon as there's a crisis um, uh, and you know that's often what happens if you've not invested in relationships as I think I mentioned earlier mm. you the beyond nice example and we're in this passive aggressive culture you often things boil over uh, and it often takes that crisis uh, to raise everybody's awareness that you know actually something is wrong here and we need to now get in. Um, but I think the you know, in those situations the first step uh, is is very much um, you know, managing uh, and getting everybody's permission uh, really to work on the relationship uh, and to work on reconciliation and restoration of that relationship. Uh, and there's often a process we've got to go first uh, through first before we almost earn the right uh, to then begin to build for the long term so we're beginning to develop this relational so there's a short it's almost like crisis management Hmm. and then build for the long term Um, but certainly that's a great point of intervention a a great point to to initiate a a first intervention
0: yeah and I guess you have to be cute yourselves as you're coming into new situations when you're aware that um, to, to some extent employees who may be struggling or un, unhappy with the culture um, that, that they may look to you sometimes pleadingly and, and sometimes begrudgingly perhaps and that that's a, an interesting dynamic as an outsider coming in.
1: Yeah that's right I think um, uh, again as you as you rightly said the context is key um, so one again what's one of the powers of this this um, measurement uh, approach is it very quickly flushes out um, you wear let's say on a team of ten people there are two or three people uh, who really feel you know they are not happy about the state of relationships on this team and it makes it very transparent uh, without we without in complete anonymity but it then allows the team to look at this data and say gosh that's interesting what's going on here uh, and again, at McKinsey, it's amazing how many things that McKinsey got right here, sure. even though it, it's a secular organisation. Mm. Uh, another tool they had that was fantastically helpful that I've been using ever since was what they called a team barometer and these McKinsey teams, we we were thrown in the deep end in organizations and we'd never worked together before. We needed to get to a very high level of transparency and openness quickly, otherwise we'd be in a mess. So we used a a very simple device called a team barometer, which is is a great thing to use, where you agree as a team what fruitful relationships and what fruitful performance looks like up front as a team. And then every two weeks or so, uh, you poll. You take a quick poll, uh, if you like, a temperature check, um, a pulse check on how things are going. And everybody scores against sort of one out of 10, how they're feeling. Uh, The results are compiled by um, uh, the team, the team administrator, uh, who then throws it back to the team. And then we sit down and look at it, and we look at the highs and lows, and we explore it. Again, there's no judgment. We're just trying to understand. And then together, because that transparency Uh, almost forces out the candor uh, and gets us talking and of course you've you've got to facilitate that conversation well if you leap on the individual who said this that doesn't work Uh, so it requires skilled facilitation which is something we try to bring uh, but also train uh, in the process of working as well but again that's what's so powerful about this it draws out those tensions and those issues but in a way that can lead to fruitful conversation and then improvement uh, rather than sort of just hoping it'll go away or um, you're just doing some kind of you so oh yeah, running an outward bound camp or something, and hoping it will fix the problem, which it probably won't. Sure.
0: Well, you've you convinced me, Matthew. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, sadly, we've come to the end of our time. But um, obviously, you may have convinced other listeners as well, or at least they might be, might be intrigued to find out a bit more, if, particularly if they're in an organisation that's not not functioning so well. So, how will they get in touch?
1: Uh, so uh, everything is on our website. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's we are company dot co dot uk so it's all one word we are company dot co dot uk uh, and if you go there um we've got um, blogs we've got all the webid- webinars we've been doing so ev- all the, the webinars we've done recently are there in record you can take a look at those as well as our contact details
0: that sounds terrific uh, uh, this sounds like a an important ministry at a, at a, at a key time for for uk uh, churches charities businesses so so uh, all power to you and i trust it it uh, goes from strength to strength.
1: Thank you, Andy. It's been great to have the chance to share a little bit. Uh, thank you.
0: Well, thank you. So you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Pett. That was Matthew Frost. Uh, we, are company, do get in touch with him if uh, things that uh, he's explored uh, are of interest to you, particularly where, where you are in a, a team or um, uh, organisation or setting. Um, and do obviously listen to The Leadership File, and um, Other other episodes are available on the website. Go to iTunes and Podbean, uh, wherever you uh, consume your content. Uh, So this is Andy Peck thanking you for joining us uh, and the words of the Apostle Paul as we close. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Bye for now.